Welcome to the Month End CPG Community Chat. The Month End will provide emerging CPG brands real-life knowledge into the accounting, finance, and operational worlds. Our guests will be key stakeholders from those same brands as well as other key contributors to the industry. Welcome to episode 36 of the Month End Podcast. Today we have Tyler Watson from Dano Seasoning. How are you doing today, Tyler? I'm doing fantastic. How about you, Brad? Fantastic. Love it. Love the start to this conversation. Uh, uh, I'm doing great, man. Uh, Tyler's the uh, the SVP of sales at Dano's and uh, uh, has been there since 2018. And I'm looking forward to this chat um, uh, on the aspect from a sales side, but how it integrates on the operations finance side of, of, of a CPG brand. So before we get started, why don't we start with kind of your personal background to Tyler, as well as then let's integrate it with what Dano's does and what you do at Dano's. So just the floor is yours. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, so I, I always like to kind of start this uh, introduction for myself because that's my favorite topic is me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, man, I eighth grade education. I don't have a high school diploma, no college experience whatsoever. Uh, I was basically born on a retail sales floor, uh, loved people, uh, sold shoes, you know, was my kind of first uh, go at sales. I uh, couldn't make it as a sandwich artist at Panera Bread. So uh, my wife, uh, who then was my shift lead, had no idea she was going to become my wife. Uh, she said, listen, man, this isn't working out. You, you need to go apply for this shoe store in the mall over here. And I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, so anyway, learn, learn shoe sales. Um, and it wasn't just your bring a box out and, and set it in front of the customer. It was like, hey, you're going to sit and fit this customer. You're going to try to sell them, you know, arch support. You're going to talk to them about their ailments and all these things. So um, that's where I really learned that I love people. Uh, you know, as, as a kid, I spent a lot of time getting uh, booted out of schools and uh, spent some time behind bars and things like that and learned that I didn't want to be there for long. And so I started to understand that uh, my diverse kind of exposure at a young age um, was really applicable to being able to learn all walks of life and, and how I can, um, you know, converse and, and help those people through product satisfaction. Uh, love being able to hand somebody a tangible product and, and tell them about it, educate them about it, get them excited about it, and then bring them along on the on the journey, right? Because that's what we do. We build brands. Um, so yeah, that's that's me in a nutshell, uh, retail, dot in the wool, uh, sales guy. Um, how I started with Dano's, uh, basically, Dan uh, himself was a uh, bartender. And so my neighbor actually worked at the bar with him. And this was years ago, back in 2017. And uh, my neighbor's cooking with this, we're, we're grilling out in the neighborhood. And my neighbor's whips out this baggie of seasoning. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, dude. That looks like weed, dude. What are you about to put on my, put on my chicken? And, uh, and I'm like, and he's like, it's Dano's, man. I'm like, I don't know what Dano's is. And so anyway, I, I loved it. I enjoyed it. Tried it. Uh, kids loved it. Wife loved it. And I'm like, where do I find this stuff? And, and lo and behold, he calls Dan that night. And uh, Dan's like, hey, if y'all, I know you've already eaten, but like, I'm cooking up some fish, like, like, bring Tyler over. If he just wants the original, like, I want to tell him why you should try my spicy. And I want him to try spicy on this salmon I'm cooking. And uh, I'd never met the dude before, but uh, went over to his house and, and quickly learned. And when I talk about Dan, the first thing I talk about is his love language, and that is cooking for people. He's just so passionate about, um, you know, getting his flavor on somebody's taste bud and then watching their reaction. And so uh, that's kind of like the, you know, my introduction to Dano's was literally this dude cooking for me in his kitchen. And and uh, and I just, I, I loved it so much that I just wanted to be a part of the brand and, and made that happen just a few months later. Awesome. That's a great, great background on everything here. Um, <clears throat> quick question. Have you only been 
like in sales from a, an employee relationship? Have you had your own business? Have you tried any side hustles or anything like that? Yeah, I sold some insurance. Um, you know, that wasn't for me. Uh, great question. Um, I've done uh, franchise sales, so sold and supported retail franchise stores for UPS. Um, but yeah, no, really never went into business for myself. I mean, other than, um, you know, dabbling in pharmaceuticals at an early age. <laughs> I can see. I why told you, man, you're going to have to edit me. <laughs> I can see why you're a sales guy and not just a, a, a traditional accountant here. I, I love it. So anyways, um, this is great. So uh, when you went to Dano's and, and you started there, were you like, what was your role um, then? And then how have you kind of changed that, you know, five years later in terms of almost us heading into 2024 here? Yeah, it's funny, man. I, I took a demotion the last time I came back to Dano's when I first started with Dan back when I was telling you, you know, he, it was, he was kind of a one man band. And so when he brought me on, he brought me on as president and business uh, president of sales and business development. So you introduced me as SVP. I have taken a demotion since those days, but, uh, but totally fine. Uh, so yeah, so when I came back to to Dano's, uh, so it, there was an interim, right? So like, I could it wasn't sustainable when we were just doing state fairs, flea markets, things yeah, like yeah. that. I had I had two kids at the time, a mortgage, and it just it, that wasn't vibing. So uh, I took the job with UPS to kind of sustain for for two and a half, three years, and then Dano's came back around to me and said, "Man, we're you know we're really trying to build this thing. We've got a new marketing team here that's help uh, an agency that was helping build um, something special, and they were selling a lot." on Amazon. Dan was like recently taken off on TikTok and social media and stuff. So I was like, okay, cool. So um, I came back as regional vice president of sales. Uh, so I had kind of the majority of the country, not the East Coast, but the rest of it and, and started to develop accounts out um, from there and then uh, quickly just absorbed uh, the other salesperson's uh, job at the time, basically, and became the vice president of sales within probably three to four months of being back on Dano's uh, staff and, uh, and and have been that pretty much since. And then uh, recently they're like, listen, we, you know, we, we've kind of created more of like a board, if you will, uh, internal board of folks who are really you know, high level decision makers driving strategy for the company. And, and they invited me into that and gave me the senior vice president role. So I was very appreciative of that. That's awesome. Um, from an aspect of kind of what you learned selling an actual, you know, consumer packaged good within this kind of food and drink CPG space, what didn't you know when you came in? And now what do you know, or that, that then helps you sell the product? Clearly, there's a lot yeah. of intangible sales things that are just general across everything, but specific within this industry. What have you learned? And what has really helped you guys excel and had a ton of growth the last couple of years? Yeah, I, I knew absolutely nothing coming into this industry, man. Like I said, I was, I was from uh, a whole different world of sales. And so when you come into the grocery and you're selling to mass and, and the likes of Walmart and, you know, Kroger, Albertsons, uh, Publix, uh, all the all the awesome folks I've had the opportunity to work with over the last two and a half years building this brand with, with the company, um, I ask a lot of questions, man. I mean, if I don't know what an abbreviation or acronym or whatever it is, I'm not going to sit there and, and look it up on Google. I'm just going to ask the person point blank. What's that mean? Like, I, I don't know. We're all new. None of us are from CPG. We're just, we're trying to build this thing together. And I think that's really lent to the, a lot of the, the great relationship building I've, I've been able to, to have with our, our buyers and, and key decision makers is like, uh, they've helped me grow into this role, you know, a hundred percent. I didn't, I couldn't have done it without our retail partners kind of helping uh, me along the way and understanding some of these things. So, you know, I think buying data uh, has been really helpful. So, you know, getting to know Nielsen IQ and those folks uh, buying spins data, getting to know some of those folks working with their teams. Um, 
has taught me a lot about like retail metrics and key performance indicators that, um, you know, are, are very important to our business. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's really just been, um, you know, learning trial by fire um, and and working with our retail partners and just being very transparent, just like what you see with Dan and our brand and the authenticity that lends to, uh, you know, his recipe content and things like that on social media. I try to really bring that same element of authenticity to the sales process and the selling process with our buyers and just let them know that they're they're helping us build this brand. They're innovating with us and they're not on the sidelines watching. So you know, rewinding back to buying data. This it's a great kind of uh, jumping off point here. So <clears throat> a lot of data exists out there. So like, what was kind of the exact data you bought in relation to what you're looking at? And then what are kind of the top two or three metrics or KPIs that you kind of focus on um, maybe at the store level or, or whatever it is? Yeah, yeah. So first, uh, first set of data, you know, we looked at buying, uh, we were only in like 300 stores, but I knew we were killing it uh, in those stores. I just didn't know how how much and how well we were doing. And so I started, um, I started a conversation off with a, he's a dear friend of mine, man, I, I don't typically meet a stranger, but uh, Chris Hanley's his name. And he was a, a Nielsen uh, sales guy for emerging brands with their platform called Visor. And so uh, we bought Visor uh, data. And what was so compelling, you know, for me as a salesperson to see is they have this, this message metric called brand ranking. Um, and it's not a sales ranking metric. It's more of like a, it takes into account like your distribution metrics. It takes into account velocity, um, you know, average selling price, uh, just all, all the cool metrics that make up a brand and, and their success or, or non in retail, um, that brand ranking takes into account for. It. And so when we were, when he was demoing the product course, he's like, I've never actually met with a brand that was number one on the brand ranking report. And he's like, you guys are in 300 stores and you guys are number one on this. You're the fastest, basically the fastest growing brand in in the category. Um, so I knew that we had a really compelling selling story to tell. And so I was like, dude, you got to walk me through what all these things mean. I don't know what velocity is. I don't know what a total distribution point is. I don't, I, you know, I don't, this was two and a half years ago. We were in, you know, our, we had some early adopter stores that brought our product in and we were very green. So um, yeah, Visor was, was a huge help. And now we, you know, spend uh, quite a bit of money to, to, you know, obtain that data from all aggregated data from all sorts of sources and, and make sense of it. Very cool. Very cool. So what has been your biggest kind of challenge or, or frustration with kind of distribution with working with retail um, aspect from your position? I, I'd say um, that's a, it's a tough question. I mean, I, I think, you know, sometimes we face um, certain partners have supply chain constraints and it causes for our shelf price to be a lot more than what we believe it should be. Um, and it's no fault of our own, right? Like if we, if, if that retail partner doesn't have distribution in a certain area or region of the country, then we have to go through a third party distributor in order to get it to those shelves. And, you know, that person might have a, you know, 28 to 35% markup or whatever it is. And then the retailer's got to make their markup. And then all of a sudden our bottle that should be, you know, seven, eight bucks on shelf is 10 bucks. And, and that, you know, really does kill our velocities. And so I think that's a huge obstacle for us that we're still, you know, actively trying to overcome and figure out. And, and uh, uh, other than that, man, I, I can't think of anything offhand. I mean, this is a, it's a, it's a tough scrappy business to be in, but that would probably be my biggest tip right now is just getting the, getting our price right. So how do the you, spice how, is right. The price is not. <laughs> when you go to sell the product, what do you say? Hey, we're fantastic, dominant and disruptive. Is that right? Fantastic. Dan O might, might be the best Dan seasoning you ever had. Cause it's damn good. Oh, I love it. So then and since we're talking it, about Danalytics, 
<laughs> yes, yeah, there we go. So since we're talking about the D's, uh, d- deduction management, kind of trace yeah. fund management, let's get into that. How do, how do you manage that? How does Danos handle that? And, and ensuring you're kind of set up for success, but also kind of review auditing, kind of ensuring your, 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 you know, what you're getting charged and kickback is what you guys have agreed upon. Yeah, man, that was new to us, right? I mean, that's something you go into business with somebody and you're like, oh, man, this is great. We just got on shelf and then you get a $90,000 invoice back, right? And you're like, what the hell is this for? Um, So, yeah, no, we have a rock star financial team here. Uh, You know, we've got a retail ops coordinator on my team uh, who is just awesome at kind of being one of those people who spots that from a mile away and says something doesn't look right here or, you know, what is this? You know, what what code is this? What is that applying to? You know, and oftentimes the first question is, Tyler, what the hell did you do, you know, during negotiations? (laughs) But, uh, but no, man, I think that's one thing that it's, it's, uh, we don't have a fluid process for it quite as of yet, because I think what the constraints are there is that retail partners just have so many different platforms to log into and, and try to manage that. And so, you know, we've seen an evolution in that particular area of like AI coming in and, and you know, chatbots being uh, able to bring in all, all of those platforms and integrate all those platforms is probably something you're way more familiar with than I am uh, of, of being able to make sense of those things, track those things, um, you know, audit, you know, create audit, self audits for you guys to do monthly and things like that. So I don't get too, too far into the weeds. I just kind of, you know, if they ask me a question, you know, our team finance team says, Hey, you know, what, what is this about this bill back or whatever it is? Um, you know, I can usually kind of give it a good idea of what I know. Um, but yeah, I wish, wish I could tell you a little bit more about that, but that's probably about the gist of, of my expertise on that. Yeah. It's definitely a very kind of nuanced situation a specific kind of, uh, circumstance you have to deal with in the, in the CPG space, but, uh, um, on the sales side. So clearly, from our conversation, I, I'm assuming you could probably sell anything um, on the side of the road and you want to sell a lot of things, right? So how does how do you handle the sales planning, the sales, uh, hey, I want to sell here and I want to go to infinity, but how does that then reconcile to two things? Let's start first on the inventory side from your supply yeah. chain, your inventory, the purchasing team, the co-man or the manufacturing, whatever your process is. How do you guys handle that process? Yeah. Awesome. Um, so we we brought on a demand planner uh, because it all was living in my head before that on what I had in the pipeline. Um, and, you know, we brought in, you know, uh, I've got a business development guy on my team who brought HubSpot to the table who could help kind of create a pipeline there. Right. And so we, we kind of created some processes and, um, you know, and so forth. But uh yeah, I mean, inventory management was huge for us because, you know, when you start to ramp up for a, a 4,000 store rollout, right, or, or a 3,000 or whatever it is, um, and you're trying to start to take into account not just the opening order, but what are going to be the anticipated velocities uh, uh, in that channel? Um, you know, why are we, you know, going to, why are we going after them? You know, what products are going to be in there? You know, now that we don't have just two SKUs anymore, it's 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 a lot to manage. And, uh, you know, as a sales guy, it's easy for me to say, oh, I'm just supposed to sell right but then you don't have if you don't have a team to, to be able to support that or an infrastructure to be able to support that uh and, and more importantly if they don't understand what's going on if they don't understand what you were doing and what you were selling um it's it's not going to work so yeah i think it's it's that's a as a as a new emerging brand it's very um new to us 
that whole process of organizing um, and making sense of of an opening order versus a replenishment order. And yep. so we've uh, we've been very uh, in tune with each other from department to department to to kind of uh, bridge the gap on that process so far. So I'm not saying we perfected it by any means, but we're not uh, we're not out of stock anywhere. Our on time and full percentages are solid. We report, you know, to each other. I think one thing that you know between our sales and operations department we've created is kind of these KPIs that we live and die by. That sales actually reports to operations, and the operations reports back as though they're our customer, that we're their customer. And I think that mindset has really created a good cohesion between the two departments. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Uh, you're in the you're in the business together and the team together, so ensuring there's some accountability between each other helps out. And then, how do you handle uh, reconcile that to kind of the finance, the cash, the accounting team of paying for your uh, <clears throat> excuse me, paying for your uh, inventory and supply chain and raw materials, as well as then getting paid from your retailers? Like, what what does your integration with that look like? Yeah, same. It, it's a very similar process, man. I mean, we we got a, a pretty small crew. I mean, we're not. A, I mean, I say that uh, relevant to the size of business. We're we're probably in the year between thirty five and forty million. We got about thirty employees, maybe a little bit more than that. But our accounting team is three guys, uh, three cats, and then uh, you know, sales is 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 three or four people. So uh, tight, man. Just we keep it tight, keep it run it lean. Um, make sure we're talking to each other all the time. But I think you know we have. Uh, we try to make sure there are meetings in place that, you know, we kind of go over high level, you know, what, where's the business at, where'd we end last quarter, how are we, you know, reconciling these things. But, uh, you know, we got an ERP system recently, Bright Pearl is, is what we've been using. So we're starting to try to bring in a lot of, you know, integration and connectivity with different things that we're using, different platforms we're using and trying to bring it all into that one kind of umbrella system um, for everybody to kind of, you know, live in and, and report to. Yep. Um, all of that makes sense. In relation to kind of the various sales channels you sell in and and, and how do you, uh, two things, like understand the success of the specific sales channels, distribution, direct to consumer, Amazon, whatever, as well as how to have you guys decided which sales channels to kind of go into and to spend your kind of time and energy on? Yeah, it's, <laughs> I wish I had an awesome um, strategized answer for you. I mean, truly, we've gone after every single account we could. So, um, you know, hardware, I went after Lowe's hardware, became the number one selling brand in their stores. Um, you know, going into Bucky's, you know, the travel destination yep. stop. I don't know if you, you know, are familiar with those, a yeah. uh, little beaver guy, but, you know, we went into Bucky's and, and became their number one selling brand. And we're not even Texas born brand. And that's a, that's a, that was a huge accomplishment for us. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, going after everything. And I think right now we're, we're to a point now to where we really do, um, need and, and intend to spend a lot of time on channel strategy and differentiation between the channels. Um, you know, club being one that I feel like we, you know, may not have approached properly to begin with, but, you know, how do we go back to the drawing board and, and kind of look at the, the big, you know, competitors inside a club and what we did with them, what didn't work, what did work, um, you know, was the, was the pack size right? Was the price per ounce right? All those different things that, you know, a, an early, you know, company probably kind of screws up. And it's like, when I talk to other brands who have been down this path before, it's like, yeah, we did that too. And it makes me feel a lot better, man, because, you know, it's one of those things you, you really are hard on yourselves internally when things don't work out exactly like you want them to. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we've we've learned a lot from from those uh, exploratory kind of, you know, first two years in business uh, in, in, a re in retail. So, um, yeah, I, I think now what we're looking at is, 
uh, what makes the most sense based off of the consumer research that we have? What do we know about our shopper? Um, you know, now we can kind of get a little bit more tactical on what type of uh, flavors we want to put into certain channels. Um, you know, are there offshoot product lines that we want to toy around with? What channel is good for that? Is there, you know, need for differentiation inside of a channel to create less competition and less price, uh, you know, competition within that channel? Those are the types of questions we're, we're really starting to ask ourselves now that we've gotten a good foothold in retail. Oh, that makes sense. And the kind of the last question before we get to our like final questions on the podcast, like what are some uh, best practices or really good kind of ways that 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 Dano and, and, and you and the sales and I'm sure the marketing folks have uh, created brand awareness? What are some kind of cool tools or, or things you guys have done, you know, the last kind of, you know, maybe in 2023 to to, to do that? Yeah, I think probably one of my favorite things we've done, you know, as of late is uh, we created this campaign together on our social media called hashtag in the wild. Uh, so we were looking at a page. We have this group on Facebook. It's called Danos Fanos. And uh, and we we built this page. It was uh, I think we had 200 members when I joined back in 2018, uh, maybe less than that, actually. And now we've got over 200 and almost 240,000 uh, members right now. And so it's it's grown exponentially. And, you know, we look at that channel and I was looking at the channel and I'm like noticing that a lot of people get really excited about finding our product in, in a retail store near them. And I'm like, what, what can we do with that? Because we've always been really worried about kind of poking the algorithm on our social channels and, and feeling too salesy, you know, in, in our content. And, I, and so I started thinking, like, where could that type of content live? And so we kind of put our heads together and, and realized quickly that we weren't utilizing stories. And so at the top of, you know, Facebook, Instagram, you know, stories, it's just a snapshot in time, 24 hours and it, and it goes away. I'm like, man, what if we started putting that customer's engagement, that picture of them finding it at retail, holding up a bottle in front of the store with the logo in the background, that sort of thing. What if we put that on stories and, and got people excited about sharing that and then sharing it to our Facebook page or Instagram, who's, you know, we got millions of followers. So it's like exciting if you see some huge brand, you know, on social post your, your content. Um, and so we started this in the wild campaign and it was gaining, you know, 10, 20, 30,000 impressions a day. Uh, you know, just doing that alone and showing customers in the wild finding our product. And so we were, you know, looking at, you know, basically a couple million impressions more every single month. And those impressions were important because they were showing retail availability, right? Like we had never really figured out a good campaign to do that without coming across like we were trying to sell uh, where our recipe videos are where we kind of started and, and, and have a good foothold on social media. So this was a great way for us to kind of dip our toe in the water on that and, and utilize a, a particular tool on social media that, it, that we'd not used before, which was and not that we didn't use the stories. It was just that we didn't have a real strategy to using the stories. And now I feel like we can do that with with this in the wild campaign and it can be kind of an evergreen campaign that runs forever and people can continue sharing their excitement about finding Danos in the wild. Yeah, I love uh, love stories like that or just love kind of <clears throat> learning like that as a kind of a fellow, you know, entrepreneur myself and, and, and a businessman and just kind of always kind of uh, conscious and aware of marketing, brand strategy, awareness, all that type of stuff, especially in terms of how social media and, and, and society kind of keeps changing and how they absorb content, right? So it's, it's right. always interesting. See where that exists. So as we're wrapping this up, this has been an awesome conversation. Uh, you know, for all the uh, CPG kind of founders out there, we always end with two questions. Um, and then the first one I want to kind of say, what does one do um, from your perspective? 
Yeah, so I had to really mull this over. You know, you and I talked about this before, and and uh, and I was like, and, I, and by the way, I feel like I hadn't gotten to know you. We got to do a second episode at some point in time. I and I got to interview you because you seem like an awesome guy. I'm uh, in. And I'll, and, I'm in. <laughs> We're in. Uh, but yeah, so so do uh, form a brand strategy, and you know, really to ensure that your messaging is is clear, it's relevant. Um, you know, I believe that recently we did a lot more consumer, you know, dove into a lot more consumer research, and it led us to find that uh, a very different consumer was shopping and engaging with our brand on e-com than the one buying at retail. And you would think that you know the e-com customer was actually younger, but it was the opposite. It was the the customer that was buying on e-commerce was actually older, and the customer buying in store was was younger. Um, so that was a, a really interesting, you know, kind of factoid to learn about that. Um, and then, you know, pivoting the marketing plan to to accommodate that where the bulk of your business is when your strategy was so you know tailored to that e-com customer, um, you know, that that's just not an easy task. So, yeah, brand strategy, man, form one. No, you know, even though we knew kind of we had a gut feeling of who we were and, and who our customer was, you know, getting that data to, to support a gut based decision uh, really helped, you know, uh, craft our strategy. Awesome. And then what is one don't? Yeah, I mean, this is this is a uh, you know for me uh, as a sales guy, this was tough because like all sales guys just kind of want to let their customer dictate things. But like, as I feel like because our success is due to our disruption, um, like you said earlier, we dominate and disrupt is kind of like our our mantra here as a leadership team. And so you know, we've I've had partner feedback come back like. We had a massive, massive customer um, that I was in, in buying talks with. Uh, this was about a year ago. And they said, listen, you know, we want to bring you in and your brand looks like it looks, you know, it's a great product. Branding is awesome. But like, we got to take that little guy off the front of your bottle, right? Like little Danny, you can kind of see him right there. Little, little redneck dude walking, walking away. Uh, not a redneck at all, but that's what, that was the perception, right? It was, uh, a, you know, Pacific Northwest, uh, you know, kind of, uh, consumer shopper whatever they're like ah, i just don't know that that's going to resonate with them and i'm like well if that's the case and i don't think we should do business together because that's just not that's not what we're going to do to accommodate this account we'll just build elsewhere and and you know you'll be left behind but yeah i mean you know the knee-jerk reaction or for a sales guy is to go back to the team and say listen we, we you know the, i've got this huge opportunity we should we should change everything about what we're doing because this opportunity is massive it's the biggest one we've ever had um but you know i took that time to really kind of look inside and say you know if this customer doesn't like us for who we are then then we shouldn't you know be doing business with them couldn't agree more. Um, you can't say yes and, and <clears throat> bend your knee down to everybody. It's just, it doesn't work that way in business. So, um, well, all right. This was an awesome chat. It was great to get to know you, Tyler, and you're so, you're, you're a good dude. I'm looking forward to, to your interview with me here at some point in the future. Um, all right. Well, this is episode 36 of the month on podcast. Before we go, where can people find Danos and, and what should they buy? Everywhere. You should, if you haven't tried Danos because you don't know till you Dano, you got to go find that original green cap. Uh, and you can find it at all your Walmart stores, Kroger, Albertsons, um, Sam's Clubs, got the OG and the 20 ounce bottles. So, I mean, just look around. And if you want to just try Danos and you don't want to go in big with a big bottle, you can go to your local Dollar General store and get a dollar pouch of dollar of uh, Danos original seasoning to try us out. And then you can go to the Walmart when you get hooked. Awesome. Thanks for your time, Tyler. Really appreciated it. And uh, congrats on everything so far. Fantastic to be with you today, Brad. Thank <laughs> you.